The Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by CellMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. CellMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. CellMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, CellMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, game controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, CellMax Batteries has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices, stuff like that, at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout and save 20% off your entire order. Entire order. That's coupon code BOSTON at checkout, all uppercase, and say big today. Semixbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks as always to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. Before getting into fantasy football draft advice, which will be about 95% of this podcast, rest assured, I want to take 60 seconds here just to talk about a new project I'm working on. It's a new Twitter page. It's called Boston Sports Polls. It's kind of a play on both the Sports Poller, a very popular Twitter, and Boston Sports Info, another very popular Twitter. You should check both of those out. Uh, So basically, I'll be posting three polls each day on ongoing debates surrounding Boston sports. And I love the idea, personally. I think it'll be really fun to come up with different ideas for polls and have Boston sports fans chime in on them and see where the consensus is on a bunch of different topics. It's kind of unique. It's something we don't really see. There's no page like that out there. And, you know, I have high hopes for that it will be a big hit. And if you're a Boston sports fan, I'm sure you'll love it as well. So head over to at Boss Sports Polls. That's B-O-S Sports Polls. Uh, and give it a follow. You know, there's some great polls up there already that are worth the visit by themselves, just to voice your opinion on those. And if you like them, stick around, give it a follow. So if you have any suggestions as well for other poll ideas you'd like to see up there and you'd like to see the results on, you can just DM it to the account or tweet at the account, and I may turn it into a poll if it's good enough. So head over there and follow that account because I plan on being very active with it. And I have a lot of faith that uh, a lot of people like it and it can be something special. So I just want to tell you guys about that. But all right, now... To fantasy football, NFL training camp starting means the start of fantasy football draft season. I'm going to start by saying this. If you have control over it, do not schedule your drafts until after the last preseason game. You get that? Do not schedule them until after that preseason game. I cannot stress this enough. I know, we believe me, I know we all get excited because football is back and you just want to jump right into it. You want to jump right into football. You got to get that little fix and you want to start drafting your team. But trust me, put it off, please. Because every single year, something happens in preseason or training camp and it completely screws the league up for people that drafted early. Someone drafted in the first three rounds ends up getting hurt in practice or in a game or they're holding out. Whether it was, you know, Jordy Nelson or Julian Edelman, the years they got hurt in preseason or it was Le'Veon Bell holding out. Something wonky happens with a marquee player every year, one of those top three round guys, and it's going to screw someone's fantasy league and it could be yours and it could be your team, more importantly. So I urge you all, do not draft until after the last week of preseason to avoid that happening to your league as much as you can. Injuries are going to happen, but just put it off until you absolutely have to to avoid it, okay? Now, 
on to the actual draft tips, okay? Let's talk about the actual players for a second. We'll start off with some sleeper talk because sleepers, everybody loves sleepers. Get those late round guys that can produce like top round guys. That's what everybody wants to know. So I'm going to start off with those. I'll start with that. I'll finish it off by doing a round by round draft guide. I'll do some players to avoid as well in the middle of all that. And I'll do the draft guide. The draft guide will be, you know, who you should target in the first four rounds. I'm not going to go beyond that because that would be a little excessive. But I'll do the first four rounds of who you should target in each of those ranges. Certain players I like uh, in each spot. And hopefully the sleepers I name will help you make it through the later rounds. So let's do that first. Let's do the sleepers. These first three players are still pretty high ranked. But I think undervalued. So early part of the draft sleepers first. And then the rest are deep sleepers. So first, Devontae Freeman. I see Freeman ranked in the low 30s right now. I think that's insane. With Coleman gone... And him fully healthy. He's in line for a monster season. I think everyone kind of knows that about Freeman. He's a popular name when discussing steals early in the draft. But for some reason, he's still ranked as low as he is on most pre-draft rankings. So if he's there in the third round, absolutely take him. And I would even say, if you don't love the players left in round two, don't be too shy about taking him there either. He could be the guy that, that can produce at a round two level. So another guy whose range is a bit unknown right now is Austin Eckler. You know, we don't know if this Melvin Gordon situation is going to be resolved at all. And if it's not, Eckler is the bell cow back for the Chargers, which means he could have a James Conner type of season while replacing a top 10 running back in the league, you know, as James Conner did last year when replacing Le'Veon Bell, who held out as well. So very similar situations here, except Eckler is much more proven than Conner. So people are going to be more in the know on him. But it, it really depends on how this Gordon situation progresses. But Eckler could end up being the steal of the draft in most leagues, and you don't want to be kicking yourself for not picking him. So depending on when your draft is and what happens with Gordon between now and then, he could be around three guy, he could be around six guy, or around 15 guy if Gordon comes back. So monitor that situation closely before your draft and don't miss out on Eckler. Next, this is a round five, uh, seven-ish guy, you know, Mark Ingram. Ingram is now the go-to back in Baltimore after splitting carries with Alvin Kamara on the Saints for two years. That's going to be a run-first offense with the Ravens. He'll get a lot of touches. He'll probably get a fair number of check-down passes, too, from Lamar Jackson, potentially. So PPR or Standard League, I love Mark Ingram. He's someone I'd target to be a high-end RB2. The rest of these guys are around 8 and beyond we're getting into. So really backups we're talking about. How about LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, you know, don't turn away too fast. He's still the lead back in Buffalo, you know, and should be able to have some success in a run-first offense the same way that I just said Ingram should. He had a pretty down year, and he's nearing the end of his career, sure. But the touches are still going to be there for a guy who's pretty talented. And McCoy in the 90-ish range, that's a solid pickup. You know, I know a lot of you were probably spurned by him taking him around two and three in years past, but where he is right now... That's a good value. And lastly, I want to have at least one quarterback in here. So let's go back to the Ravens. How about Lamar Jackson? Jackson is probably going to have at least 1,000 rushing yards and 8 rushing touchdowns. And that's before you throw in the passing stats, which admittedly might not be great. But for fantasy purposes, if you can get like RB2 type of production out of your quarterback... The passing sets are just gravy, so he's going to he's gonna put up passing numbers, at least some passing numbers, and those rushing numbers are going to be so valuable for a quarterback in a fantasy league. So he's going to be a fantasy football machine. I mean, last year in his rookie season, he never scored less than 15.7 fantasy points 
once when he would took over as starter. That's pretty reliable production, and yet he still ranks 17-ish on most boards. He's going to be a very, very reliable player at the quarterback position. Jackson is a great QB to target in the later rounds. So let, let's go even deeper sleepers here. We're going to move on to another section, just deeper sleepers than even that. How about a guy like Jordan Howard, a former second-round talent in fantasy football? He's now the lead back in Philadelphia, which is a much more dynamic offense than he was afforded to play with in Chicago. So that's a guy like Deshaun Jackson, another former top-end talent, and another Eagle who could be rejuvenated with his former team and Carson Wentz throwing on the ball. Carlos Hyde, who's the Kansas City back, and he's in a battle with Damian Williams for the starting job there, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Lastly, how about a guy like Derek Carr, who's playing with maybe the best wide receiver in football in Antonio Brown, and a pass-catching lead back now in Josh Jacobs, two great additions for that Oakland offense, two signs that maybe Derek Carr can get it going. He was in some trade rumors last year. He's going to be motivated. He was once viewed as the next great quarterback in the league. I think he can still get back there, especially with weapons like this alongside him. So Derek Carr is another quarterback I wanted to get in there that you should maybe target. Lastly, I also just love targeting rookie weapons because they are always so undervalued. There's so much unknown with them. So guys like Jacobs, Kyler Murray, Paris Campbell, you know, Jacobs is going to be a guy that's maybe going to go around five, but those other guys, Murray, Campbell, even guys like maybe Nikhil Harry, if you want to throw him in there, Marquise Brown, you know, if you can get those last few guys in the last few rounds of the draft, a high-profile rookie may be the best pick in that spot. Take a flyer on the unknown there. That's the time to do it because the upside is there. The last player I kind of want to discuss as a potential sleeper is actually Tom Brady. And I want to discuss Brady separately from everyone else because there's been some controversy around where Brady ranks among fantasy QBs recently. People were upset when Kay Adams left him out of her top 12 fantasy QBs. Matthew Berry was under fire for ranking Brady 21st among fantasy QBs. And so let's talk about Brady as a fantasy QB. Last year, Brady ranked 12th in fantasy points among quarterbacks. Not great, but high-end QB2. So both Adams and Berry are predicting his numbers will drop again from there. I just don't believe it. If they think his numbers are going down because of Gronk, I think that's insane. Because statistically, Gronkowski had the worst regular season of his career last year. He had his lowest touchdown total ever with three, and his second lowest yards per game average of his career. So Gronk wasn't helping Brady much last year at all. Brady had a down year, yep, but guys like Nikhil Harry and Maurice Harris, who's another potential sleeper by the way, were brought in to help rejuvenate the passing attack, and they're replacing Chris Hogan, who massively underachieved last year, and Cordero Patterson, who's more of a gadget player than wide receiver. So, at least in the regular season... The Patriots' passing attack will be better. And I don't buy this stuff about Nikhil Harry struggling early on in camp. The Patriots are known to play at Coy with their top-tier new additions at wide receiver, those top talents they bring in. Every time they have one, Brandon Cooks, Randy Moss, I mean, you name it. You know, anytime they bring in an immensely talented player there, they downplay him to start camp for some reason. So it's the same thing with Harry. I don't think there's any concerns that he'll produce in the regular season. I still think he'll be great. He was called the most NFL-ready receiver in the draft for a reason, and he was ranked number one among wide receiver prospects on many boards in the draft for a reason. He fits there perfectly in the Patriots' offense because he fights for extra yards. He does all the stuff they like, and he will help them in year one. With all that said, 
That doesn't mean Brady is a surefire QB1. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying he should be top 5. I'm not even saying he should be top 10. He could be. He could bounce back. And I've outlined kind of how he could bounce back. But you shouldn't bank on it. What I am saying is 21 Matthew Berry? Come on now. That's that's ridiculous. Brady is still a high-end QB2 at least with QB1 upside. So um, don't draft him with the expectation that you're set at QB with him at the helm. He shouldn't be the 5th, 6th, 7th, or even 8th guy off the board. That's not what I'm saying. After the year he had last season, I'm not arguing that. But after that 8th QB goes off the board, Brady is well worth it in that range. It's not like he's never been a top 10 fantasy QB before. He can get back there. You just can't bank on it. But 21? No. That, that's absurd. Matthew Berry, you're better than that. That, that would mean that in a 10-team league, Brady isn't even good enough to be your QB2. He, he should be a free agent, if everybody, assuming everybody has two QBs. You know, so that's a step too far. He should be a solid QB2 at the very least, as long as he's not overdrafted, which if we're being honest, he probably will be in most leagues because of the name recognition, because he's maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, He might be in that fifth, sixth QB off the... Right, as soon as people realize, oh, Brady's still there. I can get Brady as the fifth QB off the board or the sixth QB off the board. People will probably take him just because of the name. But if he's there around pick 100 because you're in a league with a lot of smart people, Brady himself could potentially be a sleeper this season. So, I mean, overall, I would just wait on QBs in general. And I know... Every year we say that wait, wait, wait on QBs. You shouldn't draft QBs. You should. You can get you know good ones later. But this year in particular, there's so many good QBs in the league now. Even after the top 12 guys are off the board, you could still have Brady, Philip Rivers, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe Jared Goff is still around. Even Sam Darnold could put up good numbers in his second year with an offensive coach like Adam Gase. I take a bunch of good position players, honestly, really early on in the draft, even the first 11, 12 rounds, like I said, and then just draft three of those type of QBs in the later rounds and sit on them for about two weeks and keep the two best. That's kind of what I did last year, and I got my hands on Patrick Mahomes, and that was a great pick, obviously. So I'm not saying you're going to get Patrick Mahomes this year, but could Jimmy Garoppolo be a top 10 QB? Sure, you draft Garoppolo, Lamar Jackson, and Brady or Rivers, I think you're set. I think those three QBs will carry you through the first two weeks. And then whoever's really struggling, you can just drop. And the other two you hold on to is your two QBs. So, I mean, trust me. I know Patrick Mahomes is the first QB off the board. It's going to be tempting this year. I know Baker Mayfield is fun and you'll want to pick him. But this might be the deepest QB year in the history of fantasy football. So just wait. Just wait. Trust me. Okay, now let's get to stayaways. Who to avoid? First, Melvin Gordon, obvious reasons. We don't know what's happening with that holdout. You don't want to get mixed up in all that. He could be Le'Veon Bell from last year and not play at all. Don't touch that thing with 10-foot pole. Next, Odell Beckham Jr. I know Odell's fun too. He's flashy. I love the guy's personality. I love his talent. But look, Odell is not only an injury risk because he's been hurt for the last two years in a row now, but he's also in a crowded offense with a lot of weapons. So even if he is healthy, which he may or may not be, He'll have trouble putting up great numbers. You know, he's ranked as a second-round player, and he may give you around four production in that offense. So that's too high for me. Don't take Odell there. Damien Williams, I mentioned Carlos Hyde earlier as a potential sleeper. I just think Hyde is more talented than Williams, and he's going to end up winning the starting job. And people who took Williams in the fourth round are going to be kicking themselves. So I'm telling you right now, don't go near Damien Williams. 
he's going to lose that starting spot. Lastly, I wanted to put a QB on this list too. I want to have at least QB, one QB or two QBs on all these lists. And like I said, it was kind of difficult because the QB position is so good and deep this year. But I'm going to say Ben Roethlisberger, despite how reliable he usually is as a fantasy option. You know, he's still ranked as a top 10 fantasy QB. And he lost his best receiver, the best receiver in football, you might say. So based on that ranking, him ranking as a top 10 QB, a QB1 in a lot of leagues, I'm not sure he's worth it in that range. You could also argue that, you know, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson are kind of taking over that division. And the Steelers are going to have to face those two teams four times in total. Teams that have talented defenses and talented offenses that both in their own way will find a way to hold on to the ball for long periods of time. Baker Mayfield and the Browns with just long drives that'll chew up clock time and the Ravens with their rushing attack with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. So like I said, they're going to have to play those two teams four times in total. And not to mention they're playing the Patriots secondary in week one as well. So I mean, not, not only is their schedule tough, but Big Ben doesn't have Antonio Brown, who unlike Gronk for Brady, Brown was still producing at a high level last season. So if there's a QB to stay away from... It's Big Ben. And, you know, James Conner, who knows if people figure out him in year two? Is that a potential risk you're running? You know, I don't believe that, but it's another thing to consider. So Big Ben, he's just not a QB1 in my mind. And so based on where he's ranked, I have to say, stay away from Big Ben. All right, let's finish things up here. A four-round draft guide for you to finish things off. Let's not waste any time. In round one, you want to get in the top six. That top six is rock solid. Is that advice? Not so much. Just cross your fingers and hope, I guess. I mean, Barkley, Elliott, McCaffrey, Kamara, Hopkins, and Bell. You really can't go wrong with any of those guys. Any one of those guys is a great pick. I think Bell, with how rested he is from sitting out last year, he's especially undervalued. I might even say you should take Bell second overall. Remember, this is a guy who was going first in a lot of leagues last year at this time. So I really love Bell out of all those guys too, although Barkley is still the number one for me. Um, out of those six guys, I'd say the one that gives me the most trepidation is probably Elliot, just because of the trade rumors, however minor they may be floating around. I'd be careful around Elliot. You know, who knows how those trade rumors affect him personally? Maybe they affect his game in some way. That Cowboys offensive line has gotten banged up in the past. You know, I, I don't know. I would just be a little worried about giving it to Elliot. Maybe the Cowboys are going to open up their offense a little bit more, pass it more with Amari Cooper really in the fold for a full year. But all six of those guys should be solid. Kamara, he's even a more solid option now that Mark Ingram is gone. McCaffrey is great, and you can count on him to produce with how Carolina uses him in their offense, especially in PPR leagues. If you don't get in that top six, that stinks, but I think you'd have to target maybe Todd Gurley or Julio Jones, you know, Julio sounds like he's confident and ready for a big year. I mean, he, he made the claim that he wants 3,000 yards, not that he'll get there, but that type of mindset should help him produce, at least at a high level. And Gurley, remember, I mean, he fell off in the playoffs, but he was an MVP candidate during the regular season. So if all those guys are gone from the top six in that 8 to 12 range, Gurley's a high-risk, high-reward guy. And, you know, I, I think he's a guy that maybe you have to go with there if you want to get true round one talent. So... All right, moving on to round two. I already mentioned Todd Gurley is someone to target in round one. If he's there in round two, he's a guy you can absolutely target there as well. Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill are also high on the rankings. Definitely target those guys. I know it's a classic fantasy cliche, but you need a good wide receiver and a good running back in the first two rounds. Going anywhere else, even if it's to double down on one or the other, can be dangerous. So 
Uh, another guy, James Conner, he uh, produced well in Pittsburgh. I know I just kind of said, hey, wait, maybe James Conner takes a step back. I don't think he will. He's very productive there. That offensive line is really good. He's even someone, if you don't like Todd Gurley, you could consider taking at the end of round one. Uh, but he should be a good round two get. Then after that, I mean, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster are the final guys I'd target in that round two range. Former teammates, but now both number one receivers on their teams. You really can't go wrong with either one of those. Those are my favorites. To me, Brown, Juju, and Connor are all fringe round one players. Getting them in round two, especially if you're pairing them with one of those top six guys that I talked about in round one, would be wonderful. Uh, who to target in round three? This is where it gets shaky in every draft. It's really hard to hit in all three rounds, and round three is really the most annoying. Uh, if you can get Mike Evans, jump at the chance, pass him. Devontae Freeman, again, a former round one talent. Tevin Coleman, who stole all his touches, has gone to San Francisco. He's extremely valuable. I love Freeman. Uh, also, another thing on Freeman, unlike guys like Leonard Fournette, who's also available in this range and ranked a bit higher than Freeman in most places, Freeman is also a pass catching threat. So he's the guy here in my mind. Beyond that, Amari Cooper is someone I like. I briefly mentioned him while talking about Elliott. We saw how well he produced last year in the Cowboys offense with limited time to get used to it, adjust to it. With a full season in Dallas, everyone should expect him to flourish. There's really nothing else to get super excited about here. I just can't commit to Nick Chubb without crowded Cleveland's backfield, especially if who knows, Kareem Hunt were to return at some point this season, and if Duke Johnson sticks around, the trade market on him doesn't seem too lucrative right now. I mean, after that, Keenan Allen and Leonard Fournette, as good as they both are, they concern me as injury risks, so I really don't love the round three talent this year. Every year, round three seems to be the most difficult because it's really just a bunch of players who either should be higher and underachieved last year to the point where they're super risky picks, or they should be ranked lower, but they're coming off great seasons, career seasons in some cases, and are unlikely to repeat those performances. So that's what makes round three so difficult. Nevertheless, Freeman, Evans, Cooper, those are three players to target. In round four, last round we're doing, before you do anything else, see who's left from that round three range. Adam Thielen, T.Y. Hilton, Dalvin Cook. Guys, I don't necessarily see as round three talents. If they're still there in round four, they're absolutely worth it. Despite the stigma around auto-drafting, best-ranked player available is not necessarily a bad draft strategy, especially in this particular range. So that option is always number one in round four. Beyond that, Brandon Cook should be great in his second year in LA, especially if they have to use Todd Gurley less. He might be their best offensive weapon at times. I already mentioned Mark Ingram as a player I'd love to get my hands on at some point in the draft. This could be jumping the gun but it might be the time you have to do it. Josh Jacobs is going to be used a lot in Oakland. He's their workhorse. He could end up being a top 10 back if Oakland uses him the way it seems they were going to when they drafted him. So guys, that's it. That's four rounds of draft strategy analysis for you. A few sleepers for the later rounds and a few stayaways. Consider yourself ready for your fantasy football season. You're welcome. I have ruined my draft because all my friends are now going to listen to this and figure out what my plans are, but hopefully I have helped you and you win your championship because of it. Thank you guys for listening. Once again, check out my new project at Boss Sports Polls, B-O-S Sports Polls on Twitter. Uh, and you can check me out on Twitter at KJDoleGBS. Follow the pod on Twitter, Advocate Smart Pod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week.